We are in the middle of a series on the laws of the harvest. We're talking about that this month. And we're using Genesis, 20, Genesis 8 rather, as our main text, verse 22 in particular, which reads in the King James, While the earth remains, see time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. The New English translation reads, while the earth continues to exist, planting time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. The Message Bible says, for as long as the earth lasts, planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never stop. So we noted in that verse that uh, God established the earth on a rhythm. The earth operates in rhythmic manner. These rhythms come in the forms of seasons. It's day and night. There's times when it's winter time and it's summertime. God said this after he had taken Noah out of the ark, when God had destroyed the earth through the flood, but spared Noah and his family with some animals and some birds. And when Noah came out of the ark, he then built an altar in gratitude to God. And in response, when God smelled the sweet aroma, he then said to Noah, never again will I destroy the entire earth through the flood. And he says, even though human race, what they think is evil continually, I won't do that. Because in heaven brought the flood and the rain at the time when it wasn't time for rain, I actually interrupted the normal cycle of the seasons and of the year, and that will never be repeated. And God reaffirms. He says, for as long as the earth remains, the earth will operate on rhythmic laws or principles. Laws of nature that govern the earth. We all know. Of course, we are aware because of what we've done to our planet and the effects of our modernization and civilization wherein we didn't take precautions it's almost like there's been a great effect on climate. A lot of climate change that has been there, and we are, we are experiencing very unusual weather patterns. However, in spite of that, we do realize and we are aware there is still a rhythm. We're in winter time right now. And uh, in winter time, you can see the plants are dry, everything is brown out there, it's cold. The Temperatures have plummeted, and many of the plants are dead, or they seem dead. Some of the animals have hibernated. And the best we can do is to recognize this principle that governs the earth and to cooperate with the seasons. It's not going to help you coming here with uh, your sleeveless T-shirt at this time of the year simply because you want to be in denial. Seasons really don't respect anybody. These laws operate whether you like them or you don't. You don't even have to believe in them. You don't even have to know that you're employing them. They operate. And the sad thing is, in, dis in disregarding these principles, we will always have shipwreck. Because these are the laws that govern the earth. God further amplifies this principle in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 to 3, and he says, to everything there is a season. 
And there is a time for every purpose under heaven. I was telling them in the first service during this week, not just a day or so ago, I, I, I was listening to a sermon by, by Lester Samuel, and he shared something that it's, it's a survey that's been made. It's a scientific discovery. People share on that. But in the way he said it, it was very enlightening that you and I, we live in our life spans out in what he calls three dimensions. This is uh, the first dimension being from birth until you are 30. That's the first dimension of your life. And then the second dimension of your life is from uh, above 30 or from 30 to 60. That's the second dimension of your life. And then the third dimension is uh, when you are 60 and whatever. All right? And everyone say whatever. Yeah. And, and in these three dimensions, there are certain things that characterize each dimension. And there are things that just by the way God has created us should be achieved within those dimensions. And if they are not achieved in those dimensions, it may be very difficult. In fact, from birth to 30, these are the learning years. This is the time when you get, there's a lot of input. Not that you don't produce anything, but the bigger part of your life, it consists in input in your life. And it's been found through research that whatever you become post your 30s is mostly everything that you've planted pre your 30s. And, and if you don't learn lessons in that season, in that time, it might be very difficult to learn it after. It's not that it's impossible, but it can be very difficult. You know, it's almost like when you look on the shelves when we, where we buy food, you know, they've got a, a stamp at the back or a sticker at the back that tells you when the product was made and they tell you the expiry date, but they also tell you who rebest before. You know, in your life, only best before. There are certain things, it's best before a certain time. Because once you time out and you get out of rhythm and you get out of season, even if we yet are, it's not best. You know what I mean? I mean, you can imagine when me at my age, get like a pair of skinny jeans, give me a little more, I mean, you look, it's not best. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? It's, it's not so, it may be trendy. You're not yet trendy, but it, it doesn't look nice. When you see somebody who has wrinkles like me, who is in their 60s, look at your neighbor and And the problem is, <laughs> when you're out of season and you, 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 you cannot do things in the wrong time, in the, in the wrong dimension, because that's the way life works. That's the way life works. And the problem is most people don't know this. They don't understand this. So they violate the principle. And, and when things have timed out, they try to reverse and, and go back. And it's more harder. It's much more harder when you're in the third dimension of your life to do certain things. I mean, I'm leading a church, and I'm glad to lead a church, and I'm doing everything, but there are certain things about church now I don't want to do anymore. You know what I mean? I don't want to do anymore. I've done that for 40 years. You know what I mean? However, there's things that are appropriate for this dimension of life. 
that I'm passionate about. My gifting is along those lines. My strength aligns with that. My everything about me is aligned to that. You know, different to when I was when I started. So life has a rhythm. Life has a pattern. And it operates in rhythmic manner. So everything has a season. And to every purpose, there's a time that's best before. Once you time out, can I hear an amen? amen? And so God reaffirms this rhythm of days and weeks. And, and he simply put, he says, life works on a rhythm. And so when we look at life, we note that all of life is about sowing and reaping. As Galatians 6 tells us. Whatsoever men soweth, that shall he reap. In other words, God says as long as the earth is, there will be summer and winter, there will be daytime and nighttime, but there will be sowing and reaping. So life operates on that cycle of sowing and reaping. And this is what we said. We sow throughout our lives. Whether you are well or you are not, every minute you are sowing. All right? And you are reaping as well. Right? We sow through actions. We sow through words. We sow through attitudes. We sow through thoughts. We sow through decisions. We talked about that last week. We sow through associations. You, you can't hang around certain environments and expect not to become like that environment. So we sow through associations. We sow through Obedience or disobedience. That's why Galatians 6, 7 says, whatsoever, everyone say whatsoever. Whatsoever. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. That's Galatians 6, 7, the second part. Say it again. Say it again. Whatsoever. Do not deceive. God is not mocked for whatever. One translation says whatsoever. Whatever, whatsoever a man soweth. Look at that verse. That, that, that shall he also reap. In other words, you're not going to reap anything different to what you have been sowing. Now, we looked at those laws of sowing, and, and one of the laws is that you don't reap in the same season that you sowed. I just had a nice testimony. I hope I learned some permitting. And I was so excited to talk to one of our leaders here. I won't identify them. But it's one of the people in our church who's been, uh, is, is a contractor. And for, for years and years, they've really had a, a rough time in their business. Very rough time. And so today they were just sharing with me the excitement of the potential of having landed a, great, a very good contract. They, but, and, no, but not only that, it started a while ago, they started getting these other contracts and one contract led to another, to another, to another, to another. And then they said to me, and that's why I'm sharing and I didn't tell them. They said to me, you know, with this third, other contract that's much bigger that's come, Somehow I was going through my notes and the, 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 the things that we wrote about vision. You know, got the, 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 the crossover service? And they found the notes that they had written in, in 2012. Yeah, the, the whole night prayer, 2012. And they found that and they are discovering, Hore, what's the contract that is just around the corner? Sale ka 2012. But let me tell you what I said to them, which was very important, because I know them. And I said, you know, the interesting thing for me is, even as you've gone through this rough time, you never stopped sowing what is right. 
Now, in case when I said so, you are thinking money. That's not what I'm referring to. But I'm talking about actions, words, behavior. See, some of you, when things get tough, you stop praying. You leave church. You stop reading the Bible. You stop reading what's right. You see, you stop doing what's right. But the, he kept on doing what's right because I said, see, right now, what's, all that's happening is that you are seeing the harvest of what you have been sowing for a long time. But note, the opposite is also true. The opposite is also true. What it means is that you may sow wrong things and think you got away with it. But in the world of the spirit, whatever you sow doesn't go away. Unless God intervenes and changes it. So people sow wrong things, they think they got away with it, and several years later it catches up with them. It's almost like when people get injured in their youth. You know, you, you get injured in your youth, you shake it away. Right? So you keep on going on. You didn't go, you didn't get tested, you didn't go in, you didn't do physiotherapy, you didn't do anything. I can't Yeah. Yeah, you, 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 you're young, you're young. So because you're young, it doesn't affect you. And then you get into the, 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 the second dimension of your life after 30. It's, it's even better. But then you get into the third dimension all of a sudden. Can you explain to your neighbor in English what walking kalekeke means? Yeah, just explain to them. I don't know how, what it means in English. You're not ill, you're not ill, you're not ill, you're not ill. And then you know to, re oh, when I was 13 years, 20 years, this happened and I never checked it. Never checked it. So, so we, we need to take this principle seriously. Because life operates on this rhythm. So today... I want to show you how our thoughts affect our life. Our thoughts, just the thinking. Just the thinking. We sow through thinking. Because thinking controls being. Proverbs 23, verse 7, the first part, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, watch this, Barcelona. How Satan wants to affect your life is to get you to think wrong about you, about God, about your life. It starts with thoughts. People don't realize how much our thoughts and thinking affects us so much. Because it, it, it seems so harmless. We'll come to it later. This is why the Bible tells us to bring every thought, take every thought into captivity and bring it to the obedience of Christ. What does it mean to bring a thought to the obedience of Christ? Whatever thought comes that contradicts what God's word says, ground it. Do you, do you understand what it means to ground do you understand what it means? Have you ever seen wherever they have these thatch houses? Wherever they have thatch houses or, or structures, thatch, they'll always have a very long 
uh, aerial type thing that's sticking out. And the reason for that is that uh, a thatch is very susceptible to burning uh, when there's lightning. So to avoid the house being struck by lightning and as a result catching on fire, they get this big aerial. Now this is how it works. When lightning strikes in an area, it will strike the object that is the tallest. That's how it works. Okay, it's not going to strike because all it is is just an electric charge that is trying to be neutralized. That's just the simplistic way. So when you put an aerial like this, they connect it and they, they run copper cables on it into the ground because the earth has got a negative charge. Is it, am I correct? The earth has a negative charge. And so with the lightning, it's when the, the positive charge, the proton, is trying to come to the negative to be neutralized. Am I right? Give me more because I'm a little scientist in this area. Or if you are not, I'm prophesying. <laughs> I want you to think like one. So, so what happens is it will strike this aerial, and because it's connected to the ground, this aerial will arrest the lightning and ground it so that it doesn't cause damage. So we must, we can't stop lightning from striking in the same way you can't stop bad thoughts from coming. Mara, you must ground them. You understand me? Because if you, if, you, if you don't ground them, they will cause damage. See, you can't stop thoughts from coming your way any more than you can stop birds from flying over your head. But you can surely stop those birds from building a nest in your head. So, it's the staying of the thoughts and the persistent staying of the thoughts in our minds where they move and they evolve. And I'll show you the steps in a while. So, it's not about... Light coming back. <laughs> it's not about thoughts not coming. Bad thoughts come to all of us. Nobody is immune. And it's one thing that many people don't realize. Now, I don't know, Bazalana. This is a speculation. I might be wrong. Mara, when we read the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the snake coming and so on, Maybe it was a snake, and I'm not saying it was not a snake. It was a snake because the Bible says it was a snake. But I'm also... No, 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 the Bible says that. You know, come on now, I'm not disputing the Bible. However, however, whatever the snake said, they had to think about it. Do you understand that? And where he failed, is instead of grounding the thought, and I'll show you how to ground the thought, he entertained the thought. You see, you don't just wake up and do wrong. No, there's always suggestion. Are you there, So I want to show you that. Dr. Cho shares an incredible principle, and my bishop really loved this one. And I, every time she'd just come alive when Dr. Cho saw. Dr. Cho, who's passed on now, years ago wrote a book called The Fourth Dimension. I've taught on that. And he was kind of thinking, and you know, it's, it's incredible how you can. Uh, that's what interests me. You know when you read the Bible, you can read it from any angle. You can, you can, you can read it as, a good, as good literature. You can, 
You can look at it from a poetic standpoint. There's great poetry. There's, it's, it's a historical book. You, but there's also science in there. There's also moral issues. There's, there's also history. You know, in your Bible, there's no book like it. There's, there's no book like it. In fact, there's, Bible, the Bible is the book of books. There's no book like it. I, I don't, it doesn't matter who says what. There's no book like it. And more and more scientific discoveries are confirmed in the Bible. It, it's just the silly scientists who are trying to say the Bible contradicts in China. But more and more science is actually uh, uh, proving uh, uh, the Bible. There's, a, there's an author, maybe some of you will remember, who wrote a book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. He wrote uh, several books on that. And, and this author was, an, was a scientist. And actually, there's a program on YouTube you can find. This guy, I forget who he is now. He's a scientist. And more and more, they are actually coming up and showing how science confirms uh, what the Bible is saying. Actually, I remember Pastor Ray, when he was still leading the church at Rema, he used to have a certain guy who also was an incredible scientist, who would come in at intervals to come and just talk about scientific discoveries that are confirmed by the Bible. Amazing, amazing. So, one of the things that we find as we read the Bible is this thing called dimensions. Now, scientists, when they think, they talk about our world being a third-dimensional world, and, and I'll explain what that means. The f- now, if you, if you look at this pulpit, okay, uh, it's got height, breadth, depth, length, all of that, okay? Those are, in a simplistic way, dimensions. But there's another side to dimensions I'll talk to you about. But they say, imagine this before it was this, in this shape, in this form. All right, if you go back to where it starts, this is where Beggy would have been good. <laughs> Beggy lives to like, yeah, 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 he was a... Uh, the late Beggy Chachoayo. I told Mama he's not here, but uh, I used to talk about these things with this young man. He's brilliant mind, a scientist. You know, you know, scientists are amazing. They're in their own world. You know, yeah. So I used to discuss with him. And no, no, now I'm in your world, uh, comrades. Don't worry. He's in his own world. So uh, I used to come into that. So if you think about this, let's exclude uh, creation. No, that is not real. But in the most simplistic form. This pulpit started first in what he calls the first dimension, which is it's just a line between two points. Just a line between two points. Now, if you take those lines between two points and pile them up on top of each other, you would have a flat surface called a plane. Comrades, are you with me? You're all with me, comrades, right? It's a plane. So, so the first dimension is a line between two points. Second dimension is a plane. Then you have, if you take many planes and heap them up, then you can have these shapes. You are interested. We have a mathematician in the house who is really interested. And, and this pulpit has got length, breadth, depth. It's got, so it's a, it's a three-dimensional reality. This pulpit. Now, and Dr. Cho says, really, the physical world as it is operates in the third dimension reality. Right? So our, our world is the third dimension. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. 
The second dimension is greater than the first dimension. And it can affect the first dimension. Right? The third dimension is greater than the second dimension and it can affect the second dimension. However, there's another dimension that is beyond the physical reality, which is the spiritual dimension, which in Dr. Cho's words, he calls it the fourth dimension. It's a dimension that, now let me backtrack, the, the third dimension, which is our world, for us to access the reality in this world is based on our five senses. What we see, feel, taste, smell, and touch. That's how we perceive reality. So when God created us as human beings, he gave us five senses so that we can operate in the third dimensional world. But what he did was to give us access to another dimension, he made us spirit beings. So, so that we can operate in the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is the spiritual dimension. Watch. It's a spiritual dimension. We don't see it. We can't feel it. We can't taste it. We can't smell it. But it affects our natural world and it's greater than our natural world. Are you there, everybody? Are you there? Now, so when it comes to the fourth dimension, there are principles that affect it. And when you operate in those principles and sow in those principles and labor in those laws and use those laws, they will affect your physical world. What are those laws? Thinking, vision and dreams. You see, you export a vision from the fourth dimension into the third dimension. Vision, you can't see it, feel it, taste it, or smell it. It's out there in the fourth dimension. You dream it, you think it. However, you can make sure that what you dream in the fourth dimension finally becomes a reality that manifests in the third dimension. I used to dream and think about this building. If you asked me to show you, I couldn't show you years ago, but it was in my heart, it was in my spirit. I was planning about it. And, 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 and because the fourth dimension is greater than the third dimension, I could be able to bring it from the fourth dimension into the third. Oh! So, it's, it's thinking, vision and dreams. It's faith, number four, number three. Faith, number three. Vision and dreams, gateway one. We vision about dreams. We are one again, that's why we go four. So number one is thinking. Number two, vision and dreams. You know, Barcelona, I really love you. You know that. I really do. I really love you. You are, you are, a, you are, a, you are, an, you are a good congregation to preach to because you listen. And you are engaged. And you really want love the word of God. You know, we end up preaching better than anyhow. It's thinking, visions and dreams. Thirdly, faith. Number four, mouth confession. Mouth confession, speaking words. People don't understand. Number five, prayer. All those things, they affect 
The third dimension. Now, I want to talk about thinking today. So, Proverbs, everybody learn. Proverbs chapter 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. So, note, it's just thoughts. It's, it's an intangible thing. But it's amazing how this intangible thinking affects your third dimension. It affects your world. It affects where you live. And this is the area where Satan then deals with people. Because he affects how you think. He affects the words of your mouth. He affects the vision that you have. He affects you in your prayer life. He affects you in your faith. Because he knows if he touches you there, he immobilizes you in your reality. But, the, but, but here's the nice thing. If your third dimension is not good and it's not working well, you don't have to fight with the third dimension. Just switch into the fourth dimension. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Initiate and empower the laws of the fourth dimension. When you change those laws, it changes your third dimension. Yeah. Look at your neighbors not saying amen. I hope I can't You see, our thoughts, visions, faith, words, and prayer set in motion certain laws. They, they initiate, they set in motion, they trigger certain laws that will affect our third dimension. Therefore, your thinking affects your body, your relations, your progress, your opportunities, your outcome in life. Rework mental health now. Your thinking affects your emotions. The state of your health. It affects whether you believe or not. In short, thinking controls being. So Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. One translation says, In behavior, one who manipulates. This implies you become what you think. In short, if you think you are, you are a no good poor thing, that's what you'll finally become. No, no, I'm not talking about mind over matter. And I'm not even talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about empowering biblical principles. When you read the Bible, you'll note how God had to deal with people in terms of the way they thought about things. God had to deal with them. He says, no, don't say that about you. Because you can't say it if you are not thinking it. What, what, you, what you are saying is something that is, has been conceived in your heart. And the word heart, more Bible, is not just this thing that pumps blood. No, no, no. It talks about your suke psychological area, your thinking. We, we mull things in our thoughts, in our heart. You know, we conceive things in our heart or in our thoughts. And when, when your mind gets full of something, invariably, so you, you can't stop your mouth from saying. You must change what you are thinking in your heart because the mouth can only extend what the heart is full of. Oh yeah. 
So the Bible says in Proverbs 26, I mean Isaiah 26, 3. This is an amazing text. You know, when I read it years ago, I didn't understand it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. What do you mean? What do you mean my mind stayed on you? Well, let me, let me break it up for you. If your thinking lines up with God's thinking, or it lines up with God's word, if you think in line with God's word, this verse says, he will keep you in perfect peace. Watch, 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 watch. In Hebrew, in Hebrew, there's a double play on the word peace. In the literal Hebrew, it says, you will keep him in peace, peace. And it's not the peace that means absence of problems. It's a peace that talks about completeness and wholeness. Being, yeah, it's when you are in shalom, it's, uh, it's, it's completeness, wholeness. It's like you are in a boat that's going through turbulence, Mara, you are fast asleep. And in your being fast asleep, God is solving the issues for you. It's called perfect peace. When Paul talks about it, he calls it the peace that passes understanding. I cannot understand why I'm, I'm in turbulence. That's because my mind is stayed on God. You will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. So which means in times of turbulence, keep your mind on the promises. What Satan wants to do is that when you're when you going through a difficult time, he wants you to keep your mind on what is wrong. And if he can fill your mind with what is wrong, you'll end up talking about it. Yeah, and when you talk about it, whatever you say becomes. You lock yourself into a vicious cycle. You say what you don't want to happen. And because you say it, it happens. And when it happens, you talk about it. And the more you talk about what has happened, it is the more you produce what you don't want to produce. But instead of saying that, say what God says about you. Let the weak say, I am strong, God says. Oh. Let the poor say, I am rich. Those who don't understand, God says, take the laws of the fourth dimension and change your third dimension. Somebody shout at the house. Woo! You will keep him. And the word keep means protect. Yeah. It means to, to hedge around, to build a palisado, to build a fence. You will keep him in peace, peace. Hero, whose mind is stayed on you? Why? Because he trusts in you. You're thinking. What do you think about when things are not working in your life? Our thoughts, our imaginations need to be stayed or focused on the word of God. When you focus your thoughts on the word of God, you ground the lightning. 
It was going to burn my house, but because I am thinking on the word of God, I neutralized what was going to happen, and I grounded. Doesn't mean thoughts don't come my way. Just means I'm able to ground the lightning. That's what I'm doing. So, my man, to be successful in your Christian life, you must, wait, you must make the word of God an integral part of your thought life. There are people who are Christians, but they are thinking. I'm not talking about thoughts that come. Evil thoughts come to all of us. And evil thought can come in the most holy moment. So you, you can't control them coming. What you can control is what you do about them. That's what you can control. So, in Romans 12, when Paul writes to these Christians in Rome, he says a profound thing. He says, uh, and I'm reading the, the Bible, it's, uh, it's the whole English Bible it's called. I'm reading that translation. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers, by the message of God. Now, now watch this. To present your bodies. This is a, you present this physical body. This third dimensional thing, you present it as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Now note, which is your spiritual service? You know the language there. I like the way he shifts from the third dimension into the fourth dimension. He says this third dimensional thing of yours, for you to present it to God, You've got to get into the fourth dimension of your spiritual service. And then why Carlos? Uri, verse two. Don't be conformed to this world. Mara, be transformed. So we have the word conform. We have the word transform. Not by praying. Watch. Ah. We, 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 we don't get transformed by praying. No, no, no. He says, be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. Hi, Paul. So you're saying, my third dimensional body, which operates in this third dimensional world, for it to be able to live a holy life, I've got to make sure that I access the fourth dimension and I deal with thoughts. I renew my mind. Watch. He said renew. In other words, when you renew, it's like you're renovating. In other words, that same old mind you had, you take the same old mind. God doesn't give you a new mind. You take the same old mind. Mara, let's use computer language. You reprogram it. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Because before you were saved, your mind was programmed to think in a certain way. You don't experience transformation because the computer of your mind has not been reprogrammed yet. He says, if you want to see transformation, you've got to put in a new program and, and, and erase the old one and reprogram your mind. 
And if you reprogram your mind, you will be transformed. And he uses the word metamorphosis. You will be like the life cycle of a, of a butterfly because a butterfly starts as a, as a worm and it, and it goes into stages. And there's a stage where it becomes an ugly caterpillar. And, and that stage of being an ugly caterpillar, it is just before it becomes a beautiful butterfly. And it goes through a process of metamorphosis where it changes from an ugly caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. Paul says you have a beautiful butterfly on the inside of you. But that butterfly is held hostage because this computer has not been changed as yet. Transform it. And when you transform this computer, when you renew the mind, all of a sudden you see the beautiful butterfly that was in you all along. But it's all based on dealing with your thinking. How do you think about life? How do you think about morality, money, decisions? Is it thoughts that are Bible-based? Or Because there's a lot of ways we were thinking before we were saved. We thought, you know, when you're not saved, you are not generous. You want to hoard up everything. And if someone does something, you, do, you, you hit them back more. Jesus says, no, love your enemies. This is a different computer program. This is different. I'm not used to it. He says, do good to those who hurt you. Pray for those who abuse you. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So it is your choice if you are going to reprogram. The word conform. How be not conformed to this world. Gives a picture of a potter working on a clay. The potter takes this clay and exerts pressure on the clay. Watch it now. To shape it into whatever shape it wants. Paul says as you live in this world, the world is going to put pressure. Pressure to conform to their standards. Pressure to do what they do. They put pressure. And the amount of pressure that the potter puts on the clay will determine the shape of the vessel. And God says, no, don't assume the shape of this fallen world. However, be transformed. Be transformed. This means if our thought life doesn't change to conform to the word of God, then our lifestyle will not be changed. Amen. Instead, even if we will continue to look like the ugly caterpillar. Kim's are not so every time on Watch. In Ephesians 4, when Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, this is what he says. He says, You were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Now note, 
to be made new. How, Paul? In the attitudes of your minds. So the Bible says we need to have a new attitude of our minds. Now watch. The King James says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's talk about that. How we think, how we operate gets conceived deep down in our hearts, as I said, or our minds. In the language of the Bible, they call it the spirit of the mind. In the language of science, they call it the subconscious mind. Think about it. If you lived in a certain place and then you moved houses and changed. In the first few weeks of having moved, one of the days, there's an emergency that came in where you had to leave work and go home. And because it was an emergency and you were hurried, you jumped into your car and went home. And when you arrived at home, you took the key out tried to open the door and you couldn't understand why the door is not opening. After all, this is where I live. And after struggling for a while, when you came down and got out of emergency mode, and then you thought, ah, aksadulamo. <laughs> so, mamelambazalam, when the Bible says the word of God is alive and powerful, able to divide asunder between joints and marrow, watch soul and spirit. It means the word of God is the only surgical weapon that is able to clearly and in a proper way go and cut out things that have been programmed into our subconscious mind. Only thing. Because before we got saved, we were used to doing certain things and we're used to doing certain things and if you're not conscious, you'll find yourself doing those things. Ah, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You've been there where they pushed you so hard and then you realize your hope comes on earth. The old program. And the only way is to take God's word and reprogram and allow God's word with his surgical weapon of the spirit to cut out those things that have been programmed and to load a new program. Instead of because you have been renewed. But the thinking is the fourth dimensional world. You operate in the law of the fourth dimension, but it changes how you live here. And Paul says it even changes the way you live. We finally get to see the beautiful butterfly that you are. Instead of the ugly caterpillar. 
that is there. Give the Lord a big hand, Bazalar. But then the one translation says, not only be renewed in the spirit of your mind, but in the attitude of your mind. Attitude is everything. When you meet successful people, you'll find that they have a different attitude. There are many successful people who may not even call on the name of the Lord, who are by the world standard making success of themselves. And when you talk to them and when you hang around them, you know that they have a certain attitude that's different to the other people's attitude. Which means your attitude determines how far you go. Let me put it in the words that Dr. Miles Monroe would say this way. Your attitude determines your altitude. Our attitude, whether positive or negative, constructive or destructive, leads us to corresponding images in terms of our emotions and actions that affects our lives and our relationships. Watch. Most people don't realize, even if you can be exposed to a powerful, anointed atmosphere, if your attitude is thinking, you may never get anything. Case in point, Judas Iscariot hung around the environment of the anointing for three years. But when you read the Bible, you'll note that Judas Iscariot's attitude towards Jesus was a stinking one. And at the end, in spite of all the anointing that was around him, his attitude became his demise. In the same way you can be in this church and be exposed to the preaching and the teaching and the anointing and everything, but if your attitude is thinking, my dear. See, attitude is based on previous experiences. And when we find things different from what we expect, it changes our attitude. It's amazing when you read in Numbers 13, when Joshua sent in the 12 spies into the land. Bible says 10 of them came with what the Bible calls a bad report. Now watch. When you really examine what these guys were saying, they were talking about what they saw. But the problem is they were too obsessed with what they saw, the third dimensional world, and they forgot what God had told them in the fourth dimensional world. The 10 says, we see the giants. We see the walls. Walls are too big. Giants are too big. We can't do it. Joshua and Caleb says, yeah, we did see that. However, this is what God said. This is where our thoughts are. God said we are well able to do it. What was the outcome? The 10 never made it into Canaan. The two who switched into the fourth dimension, they made it into the world. In the same way, you're going to make it into your promised land if you switch into the fourth dimension. Oh, yeah. You see, when we go into the fourth dimension, we are not denying that the giants are there. We're not saying the walls are not too big. But we are saying God's word is greater than the giants. We are saying God's word is greater than the walls. Can I hear a good amen? We are saying you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stayed on thee. We're not in denial. We're just saying God is bigger than the giants. God is bigger than the walls. 
tell three people God is bigger than the giants. God is bigger than the walls. When Joshua came into leadership, having to fill in the boots of Moses, he was in a dilemma. Because how do you fill the boots of a guy who used to speak to God face to face? How do you become the success of a guy who raised his hand and the sea opened? And manna came from the sky and quails came from the sky. How do, you, how do you deal with a guy who killed a snake, put it on a pole, when people looked at the snake, they got healed? Eh? How do you deal with a guy who went into the mountain and came down with the Ten Commandments? Eh? So he, he doesn't know what to do. He's looking at his journey and, hey, ura icon, minandas. And God says, mamela, I'll be with you. There's no questions. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. But the secret to your success is not just that I'll be with you. It is how you think. Because even if I am with you, even if all of heaven's powers are at your disposal, if your thinking is wrong, I see you in all. And so God says to him in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, shall not depart out of your mouth. Mara thou shall meditate therein. Utamudima aring day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. Why must you do it day and night? Why do it so many times? Because I have spent a lot of time thinking wrong. I have to input the word of God in myself day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. And if you let this book of the law be in your mind day and night if you meditate on it day and night he says only then will you observe to do according to all that is written therein and only then will you make your way prosperous and only then will you have good success it is not about me giving you more power and final good you've got more power than you require it has to do with how much are you going to renew your mind can I hear an amen it is now, 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 listen to, listen to the recipe of how you renew your mind. This book of the law shall not depart, where? Out of your, mamela, which means keep saying. What this book says. When it says shall not depart out of your mouth, what it means is don't stop saying it. Because meditation is a combination of thinking, speaking, and musing. Keep saying it. Watch. When you say it, you hear it. And when you hear it, it comes into your mind. And when you think it, you say it. And when you say it, you hear it. And when you hear it, it comes into your mind. Keep on doing that, and all of a sudden, there's an ugly caterpillar that goes away, and a new butterfly, and all of a sudden, Mamelang, 
as you continue thinking on the word of God, all of a sudden, you begin to know what you must do. In other words, God's word will give you wisdom that you don't find anywhere else because the word of God is like a gold mine. The more you stay in it, it's the more you find the secret to life. He says you will be able to know, you'll be able to understand, you'll be able to know what to do. And as you apply what you learned in meditation, then you become successful. Eric Elephant testimony was alone. He could have been for a while. He could have been alone. I didn't know or I knew a bit when I was doing it. But I think in hindsight I'm appreciating it more than any time. Because I started learning what I'm preaching to you. You see, like I told you last week, we're not perfect here. And I'm certainly not perfect. And I'm certainly not super spiritual or anything. However, there's a few things in the Bible that I've learned the practical side. This is it's one thing you, you have to cut the Bible down into practicality. So I'm sharing this with you. I'm being very vulnerable with you. Got the insides of my life, hoping that you don't think I'm somebody hoping that I don't talk too much about myself, but about God. But I have to tell you my journey for you to know. Because some of you, you see us here, you don't know where we started. When I started working at Rema in 1981, I was 19 years old. I knew God had called me for ministry. I didn't know where I was going to lead a church. I tried my best to work at the time because I felt my parents couldn't support me anymore after my mother helped me understand that one. <laughs> As a young man, I had a dream to marry. I knew I had to save. And I also wanted to buy my parents something before I could marry. I had tuition to pay. I had traveling costs to pay. My reality was that my needs were far more than my income. And at that time, we didn't have as many churches to really that were as large as some of the white churches I saw. Not that I was after that, but I wanted to know how did they get there, which I, I won't get into. But most importantly, how is God going to lead me? And I learned this. What I'm teaching you, Bazalana, there's actually, I won't give you all of it. There's other scriptures, maybe it'll cover next week. I actually have the Wis translation, maybe it'll next week, where I would read that Wis translation. Here's a secret, Bazalan. Read these verses. Until you hear what it says. There are levels of hearing. There are levels of hearing. The woman with the issue of blood, 
When they told her about Jesus, I am very sure she wasn't the only one who heard about Jesus, nor the only one who had the situation she had. But when she heard, the way she heard it, made her to make decisions that led to her freedom. When God says, if you meditate in this word day and night, then you'll be able to know. You'll be able to do. It's, it's when you reach that level where somehow you know. It's not knowledge that can be transferred to you in a university. No, it's, it's a knowledge where God comes to your level and he shows you at your level how to take a step that will activate your miracle. That's what I'm talking about. Mara, it comes in the secrecy of time spent in the word of God where you read it and you speak it and you meditate on it and you do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. That's what I did. That's what I did. At work, we used to start working at 8.30 in the morning. I would commute by train and by bus, as you've heard my testimony, leave very early enough so that I'm at work as early as possible and I'd be at work about 7 o'clock or just after 7. And I used that hour or hour and a half, depending, not only to study, but I would take a portion of that time where I would read God's word and I would speak it out. Walking the floor. I spoke God's word concerning my journey, my destiny, health, financial matters, divine protection, starting a church, all sections. I found all the scriptures and I'd walk the floor speaking God's word. But prior to that, I had been doing that at home when I was unemployed. And somehow, as you Meditate on God's word and speak God's word. God supernaturally starts orchestrating <laughs> divine coincidences. The couple that I used to sit next to in class, that's before I found the job, wanted to know about me and they got to find out that I'm looking for a job. And they tried to say, go pick and pay as I told you a story. And I didn't take that job. But I think, I think, and I'll get about I think they are the ones who went and spoke to our dean that I'm looking for a job. So one day, Kimo, I'm sitting in class. They're calling me. And I mean, there's, there's no way they could know me. I mean, I'm just a guy from Soweto. I just come to school. There's no way they can know me. Go run back. There's no way they can know me. No way they can know me. But they call me and I go up to the office of the dean and he says, are you looking for a job? I say, yes. He said, there's an opportunity here. I said, I'll take it. So I get a job. I start working at Rema. And then before I come, now at least I've got the job. You know, I was going to talk about Mark chapter 4 where it says, the kingdom of God operates this way. First the blade, then the ear. After that, at least there were these were the early signs. Lonali the bitter, the green shoots. 
first I got a job. But then I had all these other areas. And I'd walk the floor and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And then, Barcelona, the story I told. Then, Pastor Lindy McCauley comes to my office because of the box. And then, after that, they assigned me to become an associate pastor. And I start leading the church. And then the pastor Hatsamaya hands the church over to me and I start leading the church. Now, how shall be the Before ring in elaki, Come with me to the decision to go to work early. Kutswara train at half past five in the morning to get to work at seven and to day and night, day and night, speak that word, say that word and speak it over my life and speak it over my life. As I spoke it over my life, it helped me as a guy from Soweto to know that God doesn't only prosper white people. Because that's what people were saying at the time. Secondly, it helped me not to depend on other people. And as it began working, and finally when I started having a church, I used the same principle. When we were at Isaacson to say, one day we're going to build a building. We will build it from our own pockets than going overseas and asking for money from Americans or Europeans. It will not only be the only church, we will build other churches. And if you were to ask me, if you were to ask me, even now about the future of the church, it's exactly what I'm doing. Now here's the thing. At the time when you are speaking, none of what you are saying has manifested. And if people were to overhear you speaking, but that's because these are people who are limited and bound to the third dimensional world. They don't know that through speaking, thinking on God's word, saying it again, day and night, what are you doing? Not only is your mind being renewed, you are sowing words with your mouth and seeds with your mouth. And you are empowering God to go to work for you. And God starts doing things for you. No, simply because God says, if you return my word unto me, it will not come unto me void. Hey. He says, in the same way, rain goes back and, and, and in it, the rain comes down and doesn't go back. Not having done anything, so shall my word be. It will not return unto me void. But it will prosper in the thing that I have sent it. I see the word of God prospering in your life. Through your thinking. Can I hear a good amen? Let me close, Barcelona. Let me close. So in your devotions time, don't only read the Bible. Meditate on it. Say it. Think it. Back then we used to encourage people to write scriptures and put it on the refrigerator. Paste them somewhere in, in, in your bedroom where you can see it. And every time you see it, read it out loud. What are you doing? You are, you are empowering 
the new program, Windows 10. Rinsita Windows 5, yeah, no. Rikenya Windows 10. It's a new program that you are programming into your mind. And, 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 and after a while, you know what I began to realize? I began to realize how the way I expressed myself was problematic in jail. Yeah. We used to say, what's about the way the way no holo monatika teng kono kushui wa? Why it's one so kushui wa? When somebody asks you and you're not sure about something, you say, I doubt so. Why must you doubt? La tula ya no. Bit by bit, I started realizing how much Windows 5 was letting me down. But I had to do Windows 10. Higher fell everywhere. There's still problems. Mara, the more the mind gets renewed, it's the more we see a more beautiful butterfly. And because your thinking has aligned and it stayed on God, your third dimensional world starts changing. And you start to see things happening in your life. Not that you don't have problems. Not that you don't have seasons where things... No, 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 no. Mara, in comparison to where you used to be? Ah, I'm going to difference here. Now you can see where things are changing. And I pray that the grace of God will be upon your lives in the name of Jesus. Would you raise your hands, please, as we pray? Raise your hands as we pray. Only you, God can take our lives to a different dimension. Only you. Your word is sweet as honey. Your word is a mine of wealth that we can never exhaust. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light on our path. My prayer, Lord, is that every one of us will make that decision to say, I'm going to reprogram my mind. I'm going to take God's word and program it into my mind so that God can keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on thee. As Paul says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, think on these things. May our minds be stayed on you. May we think in line with your word. And may we arrest every negative thought and ground it through your word. Casting down imaginations and every thought that comes against Christ and bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. We bring every thought to your obedience. We don't allow our thoughts to preach negativity to us. Because indeed you are a good God. 
Can you pray in the Holy Ghost for a while, everybody, and thank God for his word. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Shadababahabaks. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you take your seats for a while? Everybody's head bowed. Every eye closed, please. Nobody moving around. If you're here for the first time today and you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, this is a perfect opportunity for you to bring your life to God. I'm sure listening to God's word, you realize how much God is able to change lives. You're here, you've been invited, maybe you've come on your own, whatever the situation. But as yet, Christ is not the Lord of your life. You want to receive Christ. You don't remember any time where you invited Christ to come into your heart. But today, you want to say, please pray for me. I want to invite Christ into my life. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. If that is you, and you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord, would you raise your hand, please, right where you are. I want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Thank you for those hands. I see. I see those hands all over the place. Jesus is the only one. He's able to change and transform our lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May I ask everybody who raised their hands, would you kindly please stand on your feet right where you are? Would you please just stand on your feet right where you are? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Thank you, young lady. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Only Jesus changes our lives. No one else can. I want to pray for every one of you. May I ask you, please, to come from where you are standing. Take all your belongings. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. Come and stand here facing the stage so that we pray together. The ushers will help you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.